Hello, soccer fans, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Fantasy Doctors Soccer Podcast. We are your host, physical therapy students Berg, here with myself, Andy Serafin. And here at the Fantasy Doctors, we use our expertise in the world of sports as well as medicine to bring you the most up to date injury news. Berg, how you doing today, bro? Chilling, bro. Chilling, chilling. Big day today. You know, just ran a lot of errands, but I'm ready to do a podcast. I got, I got my um, Italian flocking water. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> just in case my throat gets dry. Yeah. I'm doing all right today. Um, my, my team, Duke men's basketball, we just took an L in the, in the tournament. <laughs> Next call, topic, we ain't going to talk about <laughs> soccer today. Um, no outside news whatsoever. Um, why don't we start it off with Jack Wilshere with a knee injury right now. Berg, why don't you tell us more about that? Yeah, so Jack Wilshere was um, – <laughs> It's kind of the, the, the way I read the, the news, it says he's out, he's out in the England squad as well due to um, knee tendonitis, they call it. But I'm pretty, I'm, I'm going to go on, I'm pretty positive that it's not, it's, it's patella tendonitis here. And it's funny because I went on a website and he's projected to come back in like the first day of April, like the first week of April, like he's, he's set to come back, which is which is interesting because if he's coming back in first week of April, why is he, you know, why do you want to drop him from, you know, the World Cup squad? And that was my, that was the, that was the interesting case about it too. He just tell me that maybe it's a, they, they probably think it's an injury that's going to, you know, keep coming back if it doesn't get healed properly and they don't want to risk, you know, having him in a World Cup and aggravate it. So, you know, they may be thinking about dropping him and settle for another midfielder. Yeah. Yeah, and um, Jack Wilshire, who, um, who is arguably one of the most creative, when healthy and when informed, one of the most creative players on the English roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of you who don't know what um, patellar tendonitis is, it's um, you have this big quad muscle in the front of your leg, right, that goes and attaches – to the middle or the top part of your lower leg. Mm-hmm. And in between that big muscle there and where it attaches on your knee, you have a quite a large tendon there. And when you have patellar tendonitis, what actually happens is that tendon becomes inflamed and it gets really red and really puffy. And there's not a lot of space in that knee for all that to happen. And that causes a lot of pain. So yeah. it's a very tricky injury to heal because you really have to wait till it's completely healed before you return. Otherwise, you're just going to re-aggravate the injury. Yeah, I guess that's why they, they, they don't want to you know, take a risk and have them in a World Cup squad and aggravate the injury again. And then now, you know, he's such a prominent midfielder. If you build a squad around him, he's injured. Now you're going to have to kind of rebuild the team, you know, chemistry. You know, you got to – it's not that I'm thinking about this, just – just getting that World Cup squad, guys, it's 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 kind of a, a, a big it's a big challenge because you got to you got to have players that have chemistry. You know, if you spend a month before the World Cup practicing with the same player to build up chemistry, and then somebody's now injured, now there goes your chemistry. And especially if the chemistry is coming from the midfield, you know, big prominent figure like we're here in the midfield getting injury, now all of a sudden. 
is a weak link in your chemistry in the midfield area. So I guess that's why, you know, it's it's a big it's a big interrogation point right now on, you know, whether Wilshere is gonna make it to World Cup squad or not. That is very true. And remember, there's only what, like twenty three, twenty four players that are going on the um the plane to Russia and not only do you have to be fit in time for the World Cup, you have to be fit maybe a month, a month and a half before because there's a lot of important friendlies and build up to that that tournament. You really have to get your chemistry going so that way when you have your first game, you're ready to go. And hopefully Wilshire will be able to recover in time for that. Um, hopefully he'll have a successful ending to his season at Arsenal. And I would love to see him on the plane going to – Russia and really showing what he can do in the creative yeah. midfielder that he is. Me too, man. All right, switching switching topics a little bit. Going from players that may or may not make the World Cup squad, we now have Felipe Luis out of mm-hmm. um, Atletico Madrid who broke his leg. Now, this is tricky now because he broke his fibula, which is if you're looking at your lower leg, you have a small bone on the side, and you have a big, thick, your shin bone in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and he broke his outside smaller bone. Now, the key thing about this bone, the fibula, is that it actually doesn't bear any weight. So as soon as that kind of fracture is getting healed and he feels like he's ready to go, the recovery process is going to go much, much smoother because he's not going to have to wait to really put any weight on that leg because that other bone, the tibia, is really carrying all that for him. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. And typically with, with you know, um, you know, fractured from what I read, it's not a it's not a it's not it's not a complete fracture. You know, it's I mean it's not a it's not broken all the way. It, it it's kind of like a who call this a fracture they call it. So typically with, with fibular fracture it takes about I would say um, from the research that I did this morning, it takes about like six to twelve weeks. Depending on the severity of the fracture, if it, you know, if it's like a, a, a hairline or if it's just a compound, if it's compounded, depending on the severity, we call we'll say six to twelve weeks. So you know, I think he's likely out of the World Cup, to be honest with you, because uh, it takes uh, projected. Let's say it in between. Let's say eight weeks, he gets he, he, he can bear weight on it. Now his injury is completely healed. Now you have to train with the squad so that will put him what what's today's date like um what's today's date? today's the 25th 25th yep the fracture happened almost two weeks ago to this almost day, two weeks that. ago so if he if he comes back you know injury heals um in about you know eight weeks he's probably gonna come back like um like may like end of april maybe may actually end of april i'm talking like mid-May, mid to end, mid to end May. So now you have to train with the squad as well. So he, he's not going to have enough time to train with the squad. So they're probably going to left them and call somebody else. Like, um, what's that dude from Juventus? What's his name? Sancho? Yeah, so I, I was actually thinking the same thing, actually. You have three players who are really vying for two spots at left back in the tournament. You have Marcelo, who's obviously going to start. And then you have two options, one in Alexandro and one in Felipe Luis. And from what I've been reading, um, Felipe Luis might be back by early to mid-May. So I don't know the details of his fracture, like you said, if it's 
compounded or if it's a hairline fracture or anything like that. But according to him, he thinks he'll make it back by the end of the season. Oh. If he's able to do that, then he might be able to kind of make a campaign for that last spot at left back because if you're the manager of Brazil, right, and you're looking for another left back as a backup, you yeah. could go with Alexandro, who is almost in the same mold as uh, Marcelo. Or if you're looking for someone who can kind of be a late sub into the game and play with Marcelo on that right-hand side to really give defensive stability, then I think Felipe Luis is your guy because he is a great defender. Yeah, it is. It is, but we'll see. We'll see, man. I, I, I highly doubt it, but I, I'm a Brazil fan, so I would love <laughs> I would love for him to be there because you need that experience in the squad as well. You can't have, you know, too many young players in there. Felipe Luis was there in the previous World Cup, so he can, you know, he has experience, you know, losing. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he, he probably won't, won't want that to happen again. So, you know, you need kind of those players to instill um, those kind of hunger into, you know, the youth in the Brazil squad. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see, bro. Yeah, going over to um, Argentina and Manchester City. Sergio Aguero has been out for about a week and a half now. Um, he was quoted about a week and a half ago saying he'll be back in two weeks, which is coming up in just a few days. And Argentina is actually playing Spain in a friendly in just a few days. And it's reported that Aguero might play. Um, they didn't give any details on the injury. All they said it was a knee injury and that he'll be back shortly. Um, okay. So for you Sergio Aguero fans, expect him to either maybe make a late sub appearance in this game versus Spain, but he will definitely be fit for when Manchester City return back to lead play. Okay. Man, it's a, Aguero is like it's an injury saga with this guy, man. He's always injured. And somehow he, he always, like in year, he always almost – like always one of the you know top four Premier League scorers. Even every year he gets injured and he's almost there to win the Golden Boot. Like I don't I don't understand. Like what? Why does this guy get injured all the time? Yeah, I, I, I really that, don't know. I mean, he's always he's always yeah, like you said, always in a race to be one of the best strikers in Europe. And I feel like every January, um, January or um, March, he always gets injured at the wrong time. And I think that Manchester City are lucky in the fact that they have a young striker in Gabriel Jesus who can kind of take the lead and carry the team when needed. But there's going to be a time and a place when they're going to need, both need to be there and kind of firing at all cylinders to win all these trophies that they aspire to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a case of him getting all this money and being anxious to come back. But I know, no, no, it's been, you know, Aguero's not young anymore. You know, it's one of the things when, when you, how old is, I'm pretty sure he's close in his, he's close to his 30s now, if he's not 30. Yeah, I think he's probably 28, 29. Yeah, so, like, I would expect, like, recurring injury from a young player, you know, but, you know, once you, 28, 29, you have the prime of your football career, man, like, I feel like you should know his body by now. <laughs> you should know your body by now, man. Like, you should know, all right, this is the optimal time to come back. This is not. But then again, you know, I'm not on the field. I don't feel the pressure. You know, I can't really judge. But something's that. You, 
you know, next year, you know, somebody got to sit down with this guy and say, listen, you know, there, there, there needs some be, there need to be some management there in terms of your health and how your body, certain training you should do, you know, change a couple of things in your routine. Something needs to change. Injury, you know, yes, it's, it's soccer. You know, you get injured all the time, but when him, a player like him, always get injured, and it's usually like this, almost the same injury, knee injury, knee injury. So it's, it's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm very concerned about, about that, actually. Like, he's a player that he's, he's, he's the guy. Like, you know, when he's the guy that could change things. Like he's yeah. one of those guys that could you know, change things around in a game. You saw it when you won that, <laughs> that score that late goal <laughs> to give Manchester City the Premier League. Like, we yeah. want that player back in the, in, to the team. And he just can't stay healthy throughout the whole year. That's true. And Somebody, going over to um, your, your boy Gomez out in Liverpool, tell us what's going on with him. Uh, he, Gomez was um, subbed out during the game. Um, he twisted his ankle. And um, I read some of the report, and it says they, they don't exactly know like when he's coming back. But knowing our ankle injury, typically, you know, say within three weeks, he'll probably be fit and come back to the Liverpool squad. Yeah, so, not, it, so with Gomez, what actually happened is um, he rolled his ankle, and it's those ankle ligaments on the outside of your ankle, not the inside, the outside. And... And these are kind of tricky because the more and more you sprain them, the more likely you are to re-sprain it. And yeah. the reason for that is you have all these nerves and vessels that are running through those ligaments. And the more you sprain them, the more you damage them, and they're not likely to work as well. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's one of those things, man. You lose proprioception around your ankle, and uh, <laughs> you, you kind of like set yourself up for another one. Yep, no, I feel right. like all those dudes need to like call up Ronaldo and ask <laughs> Ronaldo for his rehab program and his training program because this guy barely gets injured and everybody else gets injured. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to a pretty good point that's kind of off strip a little bit. But these big-time athletes, Ronaldo, Messi, even LeBron James, there was a report coming out of the NBA yep. this week mm-hmm. that LeBron James spends over a million dollars per year to stay healthy. And if you're, if you're a player like, like Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo, it's completely worth it, right? Because you're bringing in 30, 35, 40 million euros a year. You're trying to compete 12 months out of the year and your team is always relying on you. You're, you're ready to take the, um, the blame for it. So why not kind of be proactive and spend the money and really hire the best of the best to stay healthy? I think, I think it's a matter of value. And it's a matter of like values and, 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 and your goals. Like if you have, if you, if you, if you that hungry, it's just also value goals yeah, and, and the hunger. Ronaldo always wants it. He always wants that edge and he's going to do whatever it takes to get it. It's same thing as you see with LeBron. You know, they want longevity. They want to be, they want to stay at the top. And especially when, when you get to that age, it, it's funny because as a young player, you don't think about this. It's only when you get like old, when you start getting into your 30s and you, and you notice your, your, your 40-yard dash, your speed drop a little bit. All of a sudden, you can't take defenders one-on-one anymore. Then you just got to start thinking, okay, my, my, my fitness is not there. Um, 
you know, it takes me longer to warm up. You know, I need, I need to, you know, like do more training. But if they can get those young guys to actually buy in into prehab and, and, and staying fit and healthy, find ways to stay fit and healthy throughout all the years, you know, you, I, soccer will be fundamentally different because everyone's going to be super competitive. Yeah, and that's that's very very true. And going into Ronaldo and Messi and all those guys, um, it's very very clear that clubs like Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester City, Manchester United, they they likely do have the best of the best doctors, physios, medical staff. But at the end of the day, these staff members they do work for the club. They do not yeah. work for the player. And yes, they're going to operate with the player's best interest in mind. But it's always going to be from the perspective of the club. So it might be worth it to hire your own. You know, why not hire your own trainer? Why not hire your own physio? Um, hire your own everything. And they can work in conjunction with the club to make sure that in these medical discussions, there's someone there that knows what they're talking about that is only there for you and you alone. Yo, this is a good segue, right? Because you said the medical staff for the team you know, they work for the team. They don't work for the players. So it's in the players' best interest sometimes to find their own, you know, trainer, their own PTs, just to, you know, give them that ad and stay healthy, right? So that's kind of like what I read this article and it was pretty interesting. That's kind of what happened with Pogba and um, Mourinho, right? So, you know, there's this whole rumor going on that those guys, you know, there's, there's, there's tension. There's tension between Mourinho and Jose in the locker room. And they're saying that the whole tension started when he first um, injured his hamstring. And Mourinho had advised him to stay with the Man United medical staff and so they could monitor his fitness. But he said, nah, F that. Well, he didn't say that, but <laughs> that's, that's, my, <laughs> that's my interpretation of this. He went to Miami. He went to Miami and get help. So he went to Miami for his rehab. So I think Mourinho didn't like that, the fact that he didn't listen to his, his advice and his direction. But ever since then, there's been tension. And now, you know, not only that, now you notice, you know, Pogba's not playing his position, which I'm sure you did a live stream on that. You pretty, have, pretty much have a lot of things to say about, about Pogba not playing his position. But this feud, is, it's been, and it, it's just, it's one of those things that just gives you perspective on what's going on. Like you think when you, you know, you, you in a rehab um, medical staff, staff, right? You, you in the medical staff and you think, you know, you're going to take care of all these players, but these players have the, they have the options to opt out and seek out their own help. So it's kind of like, so I guess it's a money thing. Now, if you have the money, you can basically say, screw that. I'm getting my own help. I mean, these days, every player has the money. And if you're Paul Pogba, you definitely have the money. If you're Alexis mm -hmm. Sanchez, Messi, and Ray Neymar, Ronaldo, I mean, it, it's likely that, that you do have the money and you also have the connections, right? Because maybe you should maybe do what Neymar does and consult with your national team physio whenever you're going in with the club because that way you're really working with both sides because between the national team and your club team, if they can come on to agreement, then that means it's likely the right decision. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good for everybody. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's very interesting how 
you think, you know, you you have the the, the staff there for the players, but the players, <laughs> I guess it's, it's capitalism at its finest here. <laughs> and I kind of like it. It's also a matter of money too. If you have, some, some of those players may not have the money to go on a private jet and go to Miami really fast and, and, and get and get help and then go on your private jet and then come back. So it's also a matter of money. It's, it's... That's very, very true. And reeling back to Pogba a little bit, I got a little bit of a hot take on this guy. <laughs> I was watching the first half of France versus Colombia. France versus Colombia in a friendly on Friday. I was watching it. Live on my phone, I was at the barbershop getting a nice fresh cut, enjoying the game, and Pogba was not playing in the first half. He was on the bench. Yep. And France had their goalkeeper, their, their defense set, and their midfield going forward was lined up like this. It was Conte, and it was Matuidi playing defensive midfielder. And on the wings, right, on the wings you had Mbappe, and then you had Lemar, left wing, right wing. And going forward, you had Griezmann, and then you had Giroud. And if I am, if I am France, my best player, and my best player that has been my best for the past six, seven years is Antoine Griezmann. Yes. And if I am Antoine Griezmann, if I'm the manager of France, if I'm Didier Deschamps, I'm going to put Antoine Griezmann in a position where he can deliver and produce for my team. And his best position is playing right behind a big man striker. It doesn't matter if it's Olivier Giroud. It doesn't matter if it's Diego Costa, but it's right behind a big man striker. And if that's the case, then you're going to have to play a 4-2-3-1 formation, which is a formation that Mourinho also likes to use. And you've seen it with France now, and you've seen it with Manchester United in the past, where Paul Pogba doesn't have a place in that formation because he can't play defensive midfield. And if I am now looking at Pogba in two separate instances where he can't play in a 4-2-3-1 with two managers, one of them who loves to play attacking football and Didier Deschamps, then what is kind of the role for him in this team? In my position, or in my opinion, he should be on the bench because if you have the likes of Lemar and you have Dembele and Mbappe on the wings and you have defensive stability and Kante and, and Matuidi and going forward you have the all-important uh, Griezmann with Giroud up front who seemingly plays well with him, then I'm going to do what's best for the team and not play Pogba. Yeah, exactly. And, and this, is, um, this is the kind of thing that, you know, gets the fan, the fan mad. You know, this is the kind of thing that gets the player mad, you know, gets eat at the player's ego. But, you know, you got to do what's right for the team, man. This formation does not suit Pogba. There's been a rumor that Mourinho might sell him at the end of the summer, which is kind of crazy because he spent all that money trying to get Pogba. Now we're hearing rumors that things are not be going. But I don't think Pogba is going anywhere in terms of, you know, like the uh, domestic league, domestic English league. It's not, he's not going anywhere. And I think Mourinho is probably going to have to revamp the squad a little bit, change the formation to allow his star player, because I think his star player is, is – um, Pogba, not, not Alexis Sanchez. Alexis Sanchez is getting a little old. And Pogba is still 24 years old, man. You got to let, let the kid shine. You know, kid said he wanted to come home. He came home. And <laughs> now he's not playing at his best. 
Come on, man. I don't know. Just in my opinion, he's going to have to adjust his game slightly. Um, you cannot be a midfielder in this day and age and be as good as you are and you can't play in a 4-2-3-1. There is no other world-class player that can't find a place in a 4-2-3-1, and that's just the truth. Well, that's, that's, well, that's where you, you – you, that, that was a good point there because you said something very interesting, which is adapting your game. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not easy to adapt your game, especially in this day of age. Not a lot of people, not a lot of players can, and it takes some time. So you know, we're giving Pogba all this crap that is not. Hey, we as we know, he's not able to play in that position. But like you said, you know, he needs to adapt, and he <laughs> needs to go back home and study the game and see how it's gonna impact the team. But either that, or he leaves and go in a team that's gonna go back to Juventus or go to go to Madrid. Actually. I mean, no, no, don't go to Madrid. <laughs> don't, go, don't go to Madrid. Don't go to Madrid because there's so many players that plays that position. I don't know. It's a, it's a, the Pogba situation is very interesting. Because I make when when they sign and I'm like, okay, that's it. Manchester United is out of here. They're gonna win everything because Pogba is there. We saw how dominant he was in Juventus. He's gonna bring the same game. And then, yeah, it doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's another thing, too. It's just Mourinho is a – is a. I think the Manchester United culture and Mourinho doesn't really match. Because Mourinho is kind of like park the bus kind of football, you know, get that one goal, two goal in, and then just shut down everything. But Manchester United culture is always attack, 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 destroy. And this is not really working. Did you see, by the way, did you see um, the interview? His interview after he lost uh, to the champion. Ah, <laughs> <the champion. laughs> uh, this man's. <laughs> he loses in the Champions League, Jose Mourinho, losing to Sevilla, getting knocked out. And somehow... Jose Mourinho finds a way to compliment himself during the post-game presser about how when he was managing against Manchester United in the past, he always used to beat them, and Manchester United used to lose. Well, here's my thought on that, that whole situation and his style of play and just the way he's really conducted himself in recent years with not only uh, Manchester United but also with Real Madrid. Um, those are two clubs, Manchester United and Real Madrid. I'm not going to really count the Chelsea stint because he wasn't there too long the second time. Those are two story clubs. If you, if you go out in the middle of the street and you ask someone to name a soccer team, I guarantee it will be Manchester United, Real Madrid, Barcelona. And Jose Mourinho has managed two of those three. Mm-hmm. So when you're, when you're playing and when you're managing these clubs, it's not just about winning. It really isn't. It's about showing the game of soccer to the world how it should be played and really showcasing yourself as the best in the world. And when he was at both of these clubs, he had all the talent that was around him. You saw it at Madrid. He had Ronaldo, Benzema, Abel, Higuain, Mesut Ozil. And several times he was playing Pepe in the midfield. And even at Manchester United right? He's got Alexis Sanchez and, and he had Ibrahimovic who recently just left. 
um, and he has all this attacking young talent around him. And you just look at the squad that he puts on the field and the shape that he puts them in, and you kind of just say, wow, are you really doing that for Manchester United, who is arguably the biggest club in the history of sports? And it's kind of like, wow, you're really showcasing yourself because when, when anybody turns on NBC, if you're in the United States, or if you turn on Sky Sports News, or if you turn on any channel on a Saturday morning or afternoon, chances are Manchester United is on your TV. Yep. And if that's what you think, especially if you're United States and the sport is trying to grow here, if that's the style of play that you see, of course you're not going to be a soccer fan. You have a bigger obligation when you're a manager of these clubs. You're not only working for yourself, but you're working for the sport as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I watched that interview twice, and I was just laughing. I was like, this guy, like, he's really the special one. Like, <laughs> no, there's no way. This guy is, is special because he could, he could finesse. I think he finessed it, too, because he had some valid points. He had some valid points. He said, listen, I got some history for you. <laughs> no, no, let, let me keep going. Let me keep going. I got some history for you. When I play at this, this and that, you know, only a few players, you know, had, you know, reached the Champions League. You see club like Madrid. You see, I think it was a, it's kind of like a cheap shot at Manchester United as well. It's like he's saying, you know, you see Juventus, Barcelona, Real Madrid, they are always there all the time. And then you wonder, there's a reason why they're there all the time. It's because they have experienced players that they're all the time. <laughs> the best thing is saying, we don't have enough experienced players. We have too many young people that don't know how to reach the latest stage of the game. But I'm like, yo, you need to teach those players how to get there, right? Teach those players how to get there. You know, those young guys, they're hungry. You know, I saw, um, what's his name? Oh, I'm blanking out again. There's um. Was it either uh, Martial or Rashford? Um, yeah, Lingard. I see Lingard. Lingard was hungry. Yeah. Rashford was hungry. Keep those guys in, you know. And I don't think that Sanchez selection was good. So I think he should have never bought Sanchez. Seriously. And it's very interesting to hear about Sanchez because. All the reports that were coming out, it's that Mourinho wanted him. And just going off of how Mourinho has really um, set up his team in the past, he's not really an Alexis Sanchez type of manager. He's nope. more of a uh, Conte or he's more of a you, – you already see the players that he has at Manchester United, Ashley Young, Valencia, players that can work both sides of the ball. And that's just – I mean, Alexis Sanchez, yes, he'll put in the effort to work on the defensive end. But his best talent is seen going forward. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Like, players like Pogba, Alexis Sanchez, they don't fit in Mourinho's style. And that's why it ponders me. It's like, why you, buy, why you buy those players when, you know, they don't suit your style? I don't, I don't get it. Okay, yeah. And you bring up some very valid points there. Um, but why don't we now transition to another Liverpool player, uh, Mo Salah, who is absolutely on fire, scoring four goals last week. Um, this guy is at another level right now. He is 
arguably one of the best, if not the best in the world for these past few weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Can Liverpool hang on to this guy? What do you think? Bro, let me give you a little history. Right? So Liverpool is considered a top club, like a big top club. I don't think Liverpool – Liverpool was a top club like Real Madrid and Barcelona back in the 80s or maybe – the 90s too. I mean, the 90s actually Manchester United took over. That's not even uh, back in the 80s. Liverpool was a big time. Club. I don't think Liverpool is a big time company. But the fans are still stuck on that mindset that we're big, we're big, we're big. And I'm thinking, when you see Real Madrid, you see Barcelona. What did they do for their top players? Right? They locked them in. They give Messi this con- Messi has a buyout clause that is so expensive. I could fit like 28 and he could many a buyer clubs could actually buy several teams in <laughs> in the Premier League. <laughs> what did they take care of their players? They they make ridiculous um they make their contracts so ridiculous that they don't even want other people to come and, and, and be and even interested. They almost did that for Neymar, but you know, PSG got money like that, so they just splashed the cash. But not every, not every club, it's not in every club's best interest to come and just spend the money on a player, right? So going with that, how big clubs lock in their top players because they don't want them to leave, what has Liverpool done with their top players recently? Let's start, let's start with Mascherano. Mm. Gone. Xavi Alonso. I think, is it Xavi Alonso? I think, yep. yeah, gone. I think who else? Suarez, gone. Coutinho, gone. And now you have another player that's shining again. And as as great as football that he's playing, I'm scared that they're gonna snatch him away too because history has repeated itself so many times. You know, it's hard not to be skeptical about his 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 thing. You know, he said he wants to at Liverpool and win championship with Liverpool. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe that for a second. And I think if Liverpool wants to be a top club like they used to be, they need to, you know, get into some marriage deal with, with, with Salah so he doesn't leave. Because this kid, every year, like, and it's also a matter of Salah is, Salah is Egyptian. You know, they tend to South American players always have this dream of playing for Real Madrid or Barcelona. They all, they, it, 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 it's predicted that they're going to leave. But with Salah, with Egyptian, I don't know if it has the same aspiration. Well, I mean, it's just everyone has that aspiration to go play for Barcelona or Real Madrid. So it's whether or not, you know, they want to stay and make the club a bigger club and put their, their name on it. Like Salah is the guy that made Liverpool big again. If they have that kind of aspiration for the club, great. But players don't have that kind of aspiration anymore. You know, you don't see a Gerard, You don't see a Lampard anymore. If they were out for themselves, there's no, there's no club, um, what's the word for it? <laughs> They're not patriotic. Yeah, yeah, there's no club loyalty, man. It, it, it's crazy. Yeah, think, and, and just going off that, um, you kind of have to think of it from a managerial perspective, if not an ownership one. 
what are Liverpool's goals? Is their goal to win the Premier League? Is their goal to win the Champions League? I mean, you tell me. It's, it's not only the fact that, yes, Liverpool, historically, they, they are one of the top clubs in England, and they're one of the, the most storied franchises in all of Europe. But recently, they have not done so. And will they change their, their perspective going forward? Because if you're Liverpool and you want to get back in the Champions League race, back in the Premier League race, you're going to have to spend a lot of money. And you saw it in Van Dyke. They kind of splashed the cash this past transfer window, 78 million euros. He's a decent player, but 78 million, I think not. And especially if you're trying to work yourself back into European contention, you're going to have transfers that are going to work and you're going to have transfers that are not going to work. And you're just going to have to keep going and going and going. And even look at PSG. You can spend all the money in the world, 500 million euros in one season. That still might not be enough. So if I'm Liverpool and if I'm the owner who is an American owner who also owns teams over in the United States, is my goal to really take this team to glory or am I just going to use this team as a means to generate revenue? That's a, that's a great point that you're in. I don't want to bash American culture, but, you know, we, we do tend to be very um, profit-oriented and it's, it's like you almost kind of like need an owner that, you know, plays the game. I play the game as well. Like an owner that has aspiration to win, just like we saw for Manchester City. Those owners, you know that they want to win. You know that they want to destroy everything because they spent a lot of money on that club. Can will an American owner do the same? Like you said, I don't think so. But then again, you know, there's ownership and then there's delegation. Hopefully the people that, you know, that role is delegated to can finesse something real quick. And that's kind of like how they, they, they left it for club. You know, hey, you're a great manager. You're popular. You, we know you can get something done for this amount of money. You show us some results with this amount of money. And if you show us results with this amount of money you spend, then we'll give you some more. But profit is, you know, it, it, from an economical standpoint, you know, you need to generate some profit as well. But if you, the more you win, the more profit you generate, right? So that's where, that's where the disconnect lies. Like, why not focus on winning instead of just charging people this amount of money for price tickets? Because I remember the last time they, they upped the price tickets and the fan got crazy. So we'll see. Man. I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I don't think you can keep Salah. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens this summer. Um, our last topic for today, we'll make it real quick. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, the best player to ever play for Sweden, has moved from Manchester United over to the most successful club in MLS in America, in the LA Galaxy. And quick advert right here. He actually, <laughs> when he moved over to the LA Galaxy, he took a full-page color ad out in the new or in the LA Times at the top he wrote a letter he wrote a letter to the residents of LA and sunshine palm beach la la land he wrote dear LA you're welcome signed his name at the bottom that was the whole ad what do you think of Zlatan coming to MLS and what do you think the impact of his injury will play 
in him returning to play here? Fam, that's just typical Zlatan, man. He just made – he just – he always wants to be flashy, and that's the great way to start <laughs> your MLS career. Make an arrogant statement, get everybody talking about it, bring promotion to him, because that's what Zlatan does, man. And it, it's funny. The fan love it. I love it. I'm pretty sure you love it, too. That's it. Zlatan is still a great player. He, he can still bring a, do a lot of stuff on the pitch, especially with players in the MLS. You know, he's probably going to dominate. Right? He's probably going to dominate. But it, it's interesting point. Interesting point. Um, somebody mentioned to me um, the other day that, you know, he took a pay cut to go to LA Galaxy. But if he was really about the money, he would have gone to China. And then to that, I replied, I don't know, man. If I'm at the end of my career, I'm going to go to the city of Angel where it's always hot. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's always hot. There's beautiful women around there. What am I going to China? <laughs> Let me go to L.A. That's where all the action is, right? All the stars. You know, why go? where else would I go? Or oh, Miami. But Miami is a, Miami is a brand making new teams from I'm thinking that he wants to win so the best place to go right now is the the most decorated club in the MLS I think and it's LA Galaxy yeah and and just to talk about his injury a little bit um he did tear his ACL at the end of last season and he did come back in record time in just under seven months which is incredible given his age but it has been reported, or he actually stated, not even reported, this is just a fact, um, that ACL injury was not the only injury he had in that, um, in that leg um, injury. Um, there were other structures that were damaged, and mm. he actually stated that if I told you guys the real injury, you wouldn't believe in me anymore. So it's wow. going to be interesting to see how he's going to recover and how he's really going to prevent him or prevent these injuries from occurring in the future and how he's going to play in LA. I mean, he's going to have the time off that is needed. Um, yeah. MLS just started and it's really the regular season isn't as important as the playoffs. So he's not going to be under pressure to come back really. Um, but as a Red Bulls fan, a New York Red Bulls fan, I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get him. But at the same time, it's going to be great to see this guy play. I'm certainly going to, like you said, he wants the attention. He wants the sunshine. He wants he the wants, attention. Yeah, he wants, he wants to be a Lala, man. That's why he's in L.A. And hey, what? He, he, in my opinion, he's worried about Zlatan 2.0. And Zlatan is one of those few players that transcends exactly. football. Right? If you're Messi, exactly. if you're Ronaldo, if you're LeBron James, you're not only worried about your career as a player, but afterwards. And he is one of the few players that transcends the sport and I'm going to love to see how he moves on after he retires because there's no way he's going away. Fam, the guy got a whole under, underwear brand going on, man. He, that's, that's what he's that's – the, that's the move. That was strategic marketing. Just go to L.A. and promote his underwear line, promote his brand. <laughs> that, 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 where else will I go? Portland? <laughs> Portland, Miami. No, Miami's not enough, not enough to promote that. But that's the same. He's following in. Uh, I feel like David Beckham set the path for all those guys, man, to, to transcend 
you know, soccer. And that's why I like that's why I like Ronaldo so much. Like he he's able to do that. He he's able to do that while he's a play while he's playing. There's not a lot of players that can just promote their own brand and play football at the same time. That's kind of like that's why you know Messi is a little boring for me in terms of like outside of football. Like I feel like if Ronaldo if take his phone and go on Instagram live. Like it will be like the most entertaining thing ever. But <laughs> if Messi took out his phone and go on Instagram, I'm like, man, just, just, just stop. Just, just it's probably his kid on his phone to be real. <laughs> yeah, right. Here we go. Yeah. All right, that is it for today. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Yeah. This was the Thank seventh episode of the Fantasy Doctor Soccer Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at the Football Physios. Football with a U and Berg. What's your handle? I'm at the Soccer Obsessed, guys. Go follow me. Give me a handle. Ask, ask me a couple questions about strength and conditioning, and I'll answer it. And once again, make sure you follow the Fantasy Doctors on all social media platforms. And if you're interested in learning more about other sports, if you want to hear about NFL injuries and what they're doing in the combine and how they're preparing for the draft, check out that podcast. If you want to hear NBA as we get into the playoffs, there's a podcast for that. And not only that, MLB too. Baseball's coming in, um, starting up next week, and we're going to have all the injury features on that as well. So thank you for joining, and have a good one, guys.